John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 315.LA0515, certificate number 21161, Dancing Mania. In Ecclesiastes assures us that there is a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to laugh and a time to weep, a time to mourn. And there is a time to dance. Do you like to dance? Mm, not particularly. I'm a self-conscious dancer. Would you like to dance? Now? Like right now? Yeah. On you the show? Me? Yeah. Na, 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 oh, John. This is lovely. Thank you for leading. I really You're feel welcome. like I know what to do with my feet now when I'm dancing with you. Do you mind me uh, singing the melody in your ear? No, that's quite nice, actually. But can you put your hand up about six inches? Well, I mean, I have no, to sort no. of guide how you're moving. You keep and moving it back down. Please move it up to the small of my back. Boy, this is really less fun than I thought. <laughs> um, you're a self-conscious dancer. Have you, uh, have you ever danced in such a way that you lost your self-consciousness? Um, like in a dark dancing environment, a... a, a thumping disco or rave or something? I don't know. I mean, you can kind of jump around at a concert or, or rave kind of environment, but I think even then I feel like jump around, huh? Well, <laughs> that does seem like well, slightly you, different from dancing. Well, you know how that's kind of replaced dancing at a lot of venues though. Like hopping up and down slam dancing yeah. or whatever they say. It's yeah. got dancing in the name, but that doesn't really make it. You're supposed to dance like, Nobody's watching. And I feel like every time I dance, I feel like everyone's watching. Yeah, that's fairly common. And, you know, slam dancing is very different from dancing, but also different from just hopping around. You can become very uh, engrossed in slam dancing to well, the point that you're, you lose yourself. That was kind of what I was thinking as a lose yourself kind of dancing. And I did not mean to disparage slam dancing. No, no, no. By saying all, jumping around. It's quite all right. Just slam dancing played a pretty large role in my young concert going years. But I, I like to dance, although I don't like to go dancing, right? If somebody says, let's go dancing, I go, ah, not really. But you like the physical act of it? I do. Once I'm in a situation, once I'm on the dance floor, I really enjoy dancing. I enjoy couples dancing, you know, paired dancing, but I also enjoy the kind of f just free dancing that you do in a dark club. Do or you feel like you're a, a good dancer? I've been told that I move well. I do feel transported by the experience. Um, you know, there are so many different descriptions of good dancing. And I don't know if I, I well, no, I actually, I, I feel like if I were featured on a dance program. If suddenly the spotlight turned on you and you whirl around and you have a rose between your teeth. Yeah, I could do it. I could dance solo and feel pretty comfortable about what I was doing, but I've spent a lot of time on stage kind of moving my body. Sure. You, um, you have to feel at home in moving yourself to music. But I did go through a phase in my early twenties where I went to discos and raves and dance parties where it was a very crowded dance floor it wasn't really possible to watch anybody else unless they were kind of up dancing in cages on the sides of the stage. You know, it was much more of a communal activity 
So you weren't really dancing with any one particular person. It's just everyone was kind of on the dance floor, each dancing in their own silo, but communally as a kind of writhing, uh, you would almost describe it as a sort of pagan activity. And you lose your sense of yeah. self or individuality or culpability. Yeah, you just are in, you're able to, to after a time, definitely feel kind of that you're having a, either an out-of-body experience or a complete body experience that's somehow, that transcends the mind, right? You're not self-conscious anymore. You're not thinking about anything. You're just simply moving. You're perspiring. You're, you, you, yeah, you're part of a larger happening. And that's the appeal of it. And I think that's the state you're trying. And then you're not self-conscious anymore. Right. And skill is probably irrelevant. So that's the stage I would like to get to, but without the benefit of any kind of psychotropic, without some rave drugs, I was, I've never been able to get there. Yeah. I think, you know, rave drugs, uh, help people get into a kind of, um, you know, particularly MDMA gives you a very tactile experience Mm -hmm. of your body and the world, but they're not necessary. You know, you can get there simply by, I have the opposite of that. I apparently have whatever uh, neurotransmitter makes you incredibly aware and uncomfortable of your body's relationship to every part of the world. Uh, In my experience, actually dancing does produce this effect. Like dancing is is a a self-reinforcing behavior. I should have just kept at it. That's the thing. If you could, and I mean, you know, you can achieve this even dancing alone. I mean, you can get into a state listening to loud music in your own home where you dance yourself into a kind of, not a frenzy, but in, in a state of, uh, it's, it's somewhat meditative state. Let me ask you this. Moving. Can you achieve that while square dancing? Cause if you can, that's that, what I'm interested in. That seems a little bit harder. Square dancing, line dancing, these kinds of dancings, uh, Although probably if you are truly in the groove, if you've been square dancing long enough that you just, you're listening. You know what that fiddler is going to do at every step. Well, and you're listening to the call and you're just like, you're out of your mind, out of your own head head and just following the call. You're just part of the square. I bet you could find it. These things are like, they're primitive, basic human experiences, just like running long distances. We're kind of, sure. it's not just that we're capable of it, it's that it's something essential about us to move these ways. Dancing could have been the first art. It seems very likely to me that somebody flinging their limbs around a bonfire right. might have predated the realization that, hey, if I scrape this on the cave wall, it might look like a mammoth. Well, and you think about the drum being the first instrument. The drum is the first instrument on uh, Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Interesting. You're saying it's the first instrument everywhere not I, just on be my baby i imagine like hitting a hollow log with a stick is probably the first the first music it's definitely the first music a, a toddler discovers it's before the violin i know that much <laughs> for white kids at least uh, but uh but it's a primal feeling and there are not that many things in our modern life that allow you access to that to a place where you are uh you're in contact with something that's sort of pre-intellectual, right? We, we overthink, we think everything through now. But you know, we're in favor of that. Like we've engineered civilization to take away all the vestiges of our primitive life and we, we don't miss them. Well, because they're, because they're dangerous, they're threatening to institutions, right? They're threatening to the church. Certainly they're threatening to government. They're uh, threatening to John Lithgow in the movie Footloose. They're threatening to me if you dance up on me too closely and I'm not, and I don't want to dance. Ariel, I cannot let this dance happen. I object to that kind of music and I think you know why. Did you know that, uh, John Footloose was filmed in, uh, Lehigh, Utah, where my uh, brother lives. Really? Yeah, he lives. Was there an anti-dancing ordinance there? (laughs) Not to my knowledge. I think it was just chosen as a picturesque small town, not not far from LA, right? What is the Mormon tradition uh, uh, regarding dancing? Is dancing a part of the, the culture? Well, you're right that there is some repression of dancing in some religious communities. I mean, not all. Whirling dervishes still whirl. But I I feel like a lot of... um, a lot of 19th century Baptists were down on dancing, I believe. Well, they were down on dancing, but there was ecstatic 
Uh, there are ecstatic states in in a lot of um, like at a revival meeting. You're yeah. If you're speaking in tongues, you're allowed to to whirl and flail a bit. You, yeah, you become possessed. Um, There's dancing in the Bible. God often instructs people to to dance as a form of praise. And I think the I think the Mormon tradition is okay with dancing. They were kind of a earthy frontier folk. Right. So on the, on the trail West, there were often, I think there were often, you know, but square dances or like the banjo comes out and everybody, I think the fiddle probably did come out. And I'm sure there was some kind of pattern from a Jane Austen movie you had to know. I don't really know what the dances on the Mormon trail were like. Was there a relationship to rock and roll? A hostile one or otherwise? Probably. There's probably cultural warnings against the evils. Like Black of, Sabbath, for instance. Well, we were, ta- you know, yeah, the backwards messages we've right. talked about in the omnibus before. And in the disco demolition entry, yes. we were kind of speaking about how rock uh, came out of black music and then decided, hey, no, no danceable music, please. And that aligns with the same religious tradition. You know, the, the same people decry, you know, rock allied itself with the people who were like, None of those jungle drums, please. Well, and this was, this was an early criticism or, you know, a criticism of rock multiple different times and primarily around the idea that dancing would provoke you to lose your, not just inhibitions, but lose your enculturation, lose your domesticity and become uh, sexually inflamed, become uncontrollable. My book about uh, humor that I just wrote, I found that the same prohibitions against laughter were there for the same reason. Laughter A feels good and B is kind of a bodily eruption. Right. And therefore they were very quick to ally that with flirting and overt sexuality. You know, like if you lose control of your body doing something that feels good, like what's next? Yeah. And so the church was down on laughing and dancing for the same reason. It's, it's just a little too bodily. And uh, this has been true kind of throughout the process of civilizing human beings. The, the corporeal behaviors were suppressed in that, favor of the enlightened one. That's why to me the highest form of pinnacle of human achievement is um, Jason Priestley's character on Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, how so? Brandon Walsh refused to dance. Oh, but he was too cool to dance, right? But that's a lot, that's what a lot of slackers, you know, people who feel uncomfortable dancing say. Yeah. Like, no way, man. No way, I don't dance. And what they're really thinking is, please don't reveal that I am a terrible dancer. I I always just assumed that Jason Priestley was a bad dancer and it was in his writer, it's in his contract. No dancing. Brandon would never have to dance. I thought you were going to say the highest form of human achievement was the acrostic. (laughs) Yes, it's the highest, <laughs> the most refined thing I can imagine is Brandon Walsh from 90210 doing a double cross stick right. in the Atlantic. Without e- without even tapping his foot, without tapping the pencil on the desk, because that would have been another taboo rhythm. Um, but there was a phenomenon in the Middle Ages, what we kind of call the Middle Ages, but w- which is a long period in history that the beginning of which doesn't really resemble the end. It's just a way to say stuff before the Renaissance. Stuff before the Renaissance, but the, after... The, it's the, the Christian era, basically, right. right? The Holy Roman era. Before humanism. Uh, but a phenomenon in Central Europe and also in Southern Italy, uh, which was sort of collectively described as a dancing mania where people would spontaneously start dancing in a public square and would quickly be joined by, in some cases, many others, hundreds of others. Sometimes it would be uh, it would be contained within a group of a couple of dozen. But they would dance and dance, turn, uh, you know, in, dance themselves first into a into a state of kind of hallucination or, or partial consciousness, and then dance and dance and continue to dance for day and night until they collapsed of exhaustion and sometimes died. Really? Day and night. Day and night. The body will just dance till it dies. Well, you know, there were there was a a, a thing uh, in the fifties and sixties where they would have dance-a-thons. Sure. Where they would, and oftentimes it would be like the last couple standing would win a car or something. And that goes back to uh, that must go back to the depression, right? It's in that movie they shoot horses, don't they? Isn't that a dance-off? Oh, that may it, it, it may be. I mean, it's an interesting concept, like an endurance test 
that's also... Let's take something fun right. and make it an unending nightmare until somebody gets a Studebaker. <laughs> and there were rules. You had to keep, you had to keep dancing. Right. I think a couple could, maybe one of them could support the other while they kind of took cat naps as they danced around. That would be pretty hard if your partner just fell asleep in your arms. But yeah, there you would you'd win a car at the end. People would dance and uh, until they collapsed of exhaustion. Um, but those were more organized dances. You know, you were dancing to some kind of crooner. You weren't just allowed to flail around. But these it was a guy with a megaphone. Yeah, this uh, yeah from the local radio station. <laughs> but these were like true manias where people really lost themselves and danced in a flailing manner. Um, I mean, it kind of sounds like they're trying to invent youth culture in a time when youth culture doesn't exist. Like when you say one person would just start dancing in a town square and a lot of people join in, that just sounds like every Elvis movie or whatever. Right, but um, they recounted a complete loss of consciousness or, or uh, you know, it was uncontrollable. It wasn't like, oh, that person seems to be having fun. Let me join. It was like they, they I have to it was it. overcoming and often very sexual. People would strip off their clothes and dance naked. This during a time when that was not unlike our present day when for futurelings, when we are dancing naked in the streets all the time, uh, that was unusual. They were never allowed to take off their clothes. You were born back then and placed in some kind of a leather jerkin or Mm -hmm. tunic Mm -hmm. with a, with a heart, like a coarse, uh, jute, pair of underpants which you would then wear for the rest of your life it was it was cunningly fashioned so that it would kind of grow with your body mm-hmm. and you were uh, nobody bathed back then and any kind of sexual activity would have to take place through the jute through the jute and also then through an, another sheet through, made of also made of jute yeah there are three three levels of jute Right. Total. And to this day, like you could whisper to your sweetheart to your honey you might say, "Honey, do you want to go through the jute?" <laughs> And she might, she might know what you mean. Through the jute. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the great Buddy Holly songs. (laughs) When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout uh but there was also like it went all the way to fornication like public fornication Wow. Yeah, this must not have gone over well in a in a in a public square in a small German town. Well, it was extraordinary, but seemed to be uh, it was not something you could like snap people out of. Uh, they they danced. No, no John Lithgow character. No, they danced until they could not dance, and there were a lot of uh, explanations for it. Of course, most common in these early days was that it was an, a religious epiphany. Or possibly, was anybody thinking it was the devil? Often it was uh, that they were possessed by Satan. But another explanation was that a saint was forcing them to dance, often St. Vitus Mm. or St. John the Baptist. Uh, St. Vitus... Well, St. John the Baptist was beheaded because of a skilled dance. That seems very unpleasant to associate him posthumously with the art form that killed him. Well, but these dances are not very fun. (laughs) <laughs> right, so it's not like, hey, you know, Saint John is here to to kick off this disco. Is the idea that John the Baptist's ghost is making is putting you through something difficult because, in some way, it glorifies God? And you know, it's a, a form of hair shirt. Saint Vitus is the patron saint of dancing and also the patron saint of epilepsy. So, and then that's connected, right? Like connected. People with early kinds of seizure-related diseases would. Uh, would be associated with St. Vitus because it was thought that that was the explanation or the purpose. Right. And, you know, it was, there are quite a few diseases that, that result in sort of, uh, 
spontaneous motor, like unconscious motoring. Well, sure. You got the rock and pneumonia mm-hmm. and the, the boogie, boogie woogie, woogie blues. blues. Like either of those could have afflicted right. these people. It's true. Yeah, it could be the Watusi. <laughs> it could be the boogaloo. Is it the Batusi? It could be the electric boogaloo. Is it po- so is there some possibility that it was some kind of biological agent? So the dancing mania at the time obviously was, or or was thought of primarily as a spiritual disorder. I see. So this would be a revisionist way of saying what was really going on. It also happened in Southern Italy, but there it was described as uh, tarantism, which the explanation there was that people were being bitten by tarantulas and the tarantula venom was behind this involuntary convulsion that turned into a dance. But the idea being that if someone who had been bitten by a tarantula touched you, or if you accidentally touched a tarantula, even if it didn't bite you, uh, you could get tarantism. Tarantula bites were thought to be contagious. Yeah. Like it's an airborne. Yeah. I mean, uh, do tarantulas even live in Italy or were they just calling whatever the big spider in Southern Italy was? There, there, there are tarantulas kind of with milder bites, uh, Contemporary physicians kind of confirm that, like, yes, tarantula bites can cause... Lycosa tarantula, a species of wolf spider native to the Mediterranean, Mm -hmm. was indeed the first spider given such a name. Yeah, it's a very Italian name. It was named for Toronto, not the Canadian city, but, you know, on the the Gulf of Toronto, which is... uh, what would you call that? The, the, boot. the arch of the heel, I yeah. guess, of, of, the, of Italy's boot. But uh, this explanation did not really explain all the symptoms. Well, it doesn't explain anything to me. I'm going to say that I'm against this explanation. It's, a, it's the, not a sufficient explanation. Well, I know in our time, do you know that there's numbers showing that something like 95% of people who go to doctors with spider bites do not have spider bites? I have taken my daughter to the doctor with a spider bite with a series of spider bites. And the doctor said, those I'm afraid are not spider bites. This is common. People bring their kids here with spider bites, but they're not spider bites. Was this a HIPAA violation to tell me what it was? What did it actually turn out to be? It was, the problem was the doctor didn't know. Uh, She speculated, well, maybe mosquito bites, maybe, I mean. Sometimes it's even just some topical, some infection. I asked whether it was a staph infection and she ruled that out too. So, it was very frustrating for a while because she had these pretty severe bites and we just could not figure out what the source of the bites was. But it turns out what I've learned is that spider bites essentially don't exist. Yeah. Like we all think that any weird thing you have on your leg or arm is a spider bite. And really it's very hard to get a spider to bite you. You really have to kind of, you know, grab it and stick a finger between its fangs or something. And then it'll be like, fine. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we are so against spiders because of their creepiness that we assume they're It's a kind of racist. Perpetrators. You know, black widows don't kill anyone really. Brown recluses, I think do every once in a while, but But you have to be digging in your sock drawer. super rare. Yeah. Even brown recluses, which will bite and those can occasionally lead to necrosis. They have really short fangs. They can't get through jute. They can't get through cloth. Short fangs. They can only get through the thinnest of skins. And so like only 10% of the time, even if you get bit by a brown recluse, only 10% of those will even require medical attention. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's considered kind of a, a slur in the spider world to say somebody has short fangs. <laughs> you know what they say about a spider with short fangs. And I don't see how any of this would lead to uncontrollable dancing in the town square. No, in most cases, uh, no spider bite could be confirmed in people that had tarantism. Mm. And also tarantism was confined to Italy, whereas dancing mania was happening all throughout the sort of Germanic central Europe. And dancing mania was surprisingly resilient to the passage of time. Over the course of three or 400 years, there continued to be little instances of, of dancing mania sort of springing up spontaneously in, in what we would, or I, I guess what later psychologists would describe as a mass hysteria. Well, if we get to that point, first of all, do you know the word mass hysteria? No. Isn't that one of the smaller colleges in Massachusetts? <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a, a climbing tendril plant. You mass hysteria? The, uh, I don't know, the guy in The Music Man says, you know, when he's trying to rile the people up about the pool table, he says that their, their kids are going to wind up in the arms of a jungle animal instinct. And then he says, mass hysteria, hmm. like it's actually a thing. 
and I assume he means mass hysteria. Yeah. I, is that, uh, I'd never heard the word before, before or since. It sounds like a coinage just of the film. But if we're going to, um, you know, if we're going to get into some of the psychological explanations for why this might be, I assume that one of the reasons why this stuff uh, recurs is that people know about it, right? Once there's an awareness of a phenomenon, oh, hey, this is that thing where everybody starts dancing. Like that makes some part of your brain susceptible to, well, I'm going to start dancing. I think. Whereas if you didn't know about it, you would you would be Brandon Walsh. You would never do it. Later on in history, I think that's certainly true. But earlier, I mean, uh, these dancing mania would would spring up, and this was in a time before social media. I know that uh, Futurelings probably condense all of the second millennia. Um, BT before Twitter? Before Twitter, just into one sort of undifferentiated past history. So this was in the year 800 BT. Yeah, before we evolved tentacles, uh, when, you know, humans basically all looked more or less the same. Um, tentacles would offer great dancing Can you imagine flailing your tentacles around? I mean, people might get a little bit whipped but by your flailing tentacles, but you that could, could be hot. You could do dance floor lasso with a real lasso if you had tentacles. Well, and in fact, there were other elements of dancing mania. Uh, the let's call them the dancers rather than the maniacs. Uh, That's they nice. they enjoyed having their feet hit. Wait, what? Uh, they liked having you know like spank their feet or whip the butt, whip the soles of their feet. They Weirdos. found that very gratifying. This isn't Tarantism. This is Tarantino. Often they could not stand the color red. This they just starting, couldn't, they couldn't stand it. This is starting to seem made up. They would recoil from it. And uh, uh, victims of tarantism in Italy couldn't stand the color black. Actually, this is making me think it is. There is some, must be some biological agent yet to be identified. Well, so later suggestions were that it was a form of chorea. Which is, and that's C H O R E A, like South Korea. Not 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 South Korea, where you learned to be good at Jeopardy, but Korea, which is a. Oh, you just you just gave me a real eye roll, and I I, I wish everybody could have seen it. That's uh, not that's not what Korea's for. It's a, it's a beautiful and ancient culture. It's not just to train little white kids to play Jeopardy. Well. I mean, I mean, it's, it's also for that, apparently. It's all I know about it. <laughs> I mean, it was the setting for MASH, it's right? Tr- it's true when you look up Korea and Wikipedia, it is a picture of me <laughs> playing Jeopardy, which I would be very angry at if I were actor John Cho. <laughs> uh, Korea is actually a neurological disorder, and it results in kind of uh, jerky movements. It, it comes on somewhat suddenly. And it means dance, right? It comes from our root, like it's the same place we get choreography. Right. But... It does not account for uh, a, most of the other symptoms of dancing mania. Right. They would just be a seizure. It, that wouldn't have anything to do with color red. Yeah, or, you know, kind of a Tourette's-y uh, spontaneous spasms. But it's mm. not that you dance uncontrollably in an ecstatic state for weeks at a time. Um, there was some suggestion that it was ergot poisoning, which Ooh. is a fungus that affects rye. Is that isn't LSD derived from ergot? Yeah, it creates a kind. It creates lysergic acid in the in the rye, and then if you take the rye and make other food with it, you can get ergot poisoning. And is there any evidence that all of these dancers had eaten a Reuben sandwich immediately before? No, in fact, the opposite. Uh, Ergot is a thing that grows on rye during a wet period, and dancing mania usually happened in the heat of uh, July and August. Well, that does make it sound more psychosexual than, yeah. than rye related. There is, um, I, I feel like I've read the the rye ergot explanation being used for the Salem witch trials, right? Like right. What, what if some kind of uh, mind-altering fungus gets into the village grain supply and then everybody goes nuts? And that's comforting because it gets us away from the idea that what if just people living together and being weirdos is enough to make them go nuts, which we want to avoid. Right, well, or we want to avoid thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, And then uh, later psychologists uh, ventured the theory that these were times of great stress, that there were uh, plagues, actual Mm -hmm. plagues, the bubonic plague, there were wars, there was famine, and that this was some kind of spontaneous ejaculation of stress 
where the people just couldn't bear it anymore and one person started freaking out and then it just spread like wildfire psychologically. Because everybody's on edge. Everybody is just so tweaked that when it finally unleashes, they just go bonkers. I find that very plausible because things were awful back then on mm-hmm. a lot of axes. Mm-hmm. And yet, I bet people didn't have a lot of ways to show it. You know, it, it was not, I think because maybe misery and tragedy was so common for centuries, there was not a lot of uh, of avenues for grief like that. You know, Abraham Lincoln was criticized for mourning his his son who died son. as a boy. People yeah. were like, well, look at this emo weirdo being all sad in the White House. Yeah, the guy just lost his son, you know, but that, there was a tradition that that was not normal or manly to... Uh, you know, to show signs of stress or grief. Sure. Uh, so maybe it comes out in unexpected, ecstatic ways. Often during this period, you wouldn't even name your children. You would give them numbers, but you wouldn't name them in consecutive numbers because if you lost one, it would be apparent. Like here are my children, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. It I mean, would be apparent and you would be less of a parent. You would be less of a parent. So they named them random numbers. Like this is 43, this is 117, this is four. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that didn't actually happen. (laughs) Just in case someone's taking that literally. And so this has become a kind of case study in psychology because it was well documented at the time. Were people mystified at the time? Uh, They were mystified at the time. And and your theory or the theory of uh, of it being a spontaneous release, um, your theory of that being a time when you couldn't show, you couldn't express emotion is very true. Because if you can't go to your therapist or even talk to your neighbor about, you know, or put your headphones on and listen to, you know, exactly uh, green day. Or yeah. Whatever. There's no, there's really no, essentially no art. What you have is a, uh, you know, maybe Bible verses, right. Some of which may be consoling, many of which are cold and unfeeling <laughs> and may not comfort you in your time of trial. Uh, and also attributing it to either the intervention of a saint that has some larger purpose for you or possession by the devil or some other... Um, well, that seems like a big question right there, because then it's going to be like, are the authorities in favor of it? If the devil is making everybody get naked and dance, then we're going to have to crack down. Well, there's one famous incident. Uh, incidence. It's both an incident and an instance. An instance and an incident. It's an insta- so it's an, it's an incident. Insta- it's an incident. <laughs> uh, in Strasbourg in 1518, where the city fathers actually hired a band <laughs> and said, you know, if they're going to be dancing, let's like herd them into the big hall and have some musicians and like, like help them at least dance rhythmically and, and together in a controlled environment, you know, very much like if you kids are going to have a beer, I'd like you to do it here in the rec room and, you know, don't go out, don't go out drinking. Sure. It's John Aston in West Side Story or, right. or, or midnight basketball or baseball or whatever in the, in the tough neighborhoods. Yeah. It's a, a form of kind of, um, trying to make it socially acceptable, but it would have allowed you, if you, if you were just ready to burst and you started to freak out, but could attribute it to dancing mania. Must be St. Vitus. What am I going to do? Uh, it could be quite a release. And you, and especially if people were taking their clothes off and, and fornicating. Well, not, like, not if they do it till they die. The dancing, not the fornicating. Right. And that did happen. But people died of uh, heart attacks. They flailed around to the point that they broke ribs. But this is, you know, this is the... So we can't recommend this. You Really, you should see a therapist or... Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, everybody's got to die, Ken. <laughs> everybody's got to break a rib in the Strasburg Town Square sometime. <laughs> Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com slash 
Start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. But, they, but it, it did definitely become a thing that over time, so ecstatic dancing, uh, dancing mania, persisted until the 1700s and then stopped mm. cold and was gone, never reoccurred. There were some instances in Italy, even in the 20, 20th century, but isolated and, and uh, they blamed it on tarantulas. I mean, it was a thing I'm sure somebody read in a, read in a book. Uh, that does seem to point to a cultural influence, yeah. like that, that knowing it, without knowing about it, it doesn't happen. Well, or that you couldn't get dancing mania in Italy. It always had to be connected to a tarantula. But, uh, and no one in Italy ever was inspired by St. Vitus. It would seem like St. Vitus, like his influence doesn't stop in Switzerland. That does seem a little weird. Yeah. Like that there's some line, like the line between Hardy's and Carl's Jr. Uh-huh. Where <laughs> on one side of the line, it's St. Vitus. On the other side of the line, it's him using his other name, Tarantula, tarantula. God. Right. And from then on, it people sought explanation. And as they got more and more sophisticated, right, the ergot explanation came on board, the uh, the spontaneous, like, release of stress. These, are, these seem like Age of Enlightenment kind of explanations. Yeah, they were. And then as we progressed into the modern psychological era, there were other explanations. And a lot of the historic record got sort of garbled as time went on. And, of course, in the sort of Freudian time, the word hysteria, having the the root of hyster for women, the uterus, um, it uh, uh, there was a kind of revisionism where the historic record was sort of uh, selectively read, such that it was then taken as read that it was mostly women that were affected by dancing mania, and then as, is that true though? Can we? Well, it wasn't true. It uh, was a. It was. I don't even think it was a misreading so much as it was a kind of assumption. Like, uh, no, a selective reading mm. because yeah, an assumption based on the well, fact that who would be whipping themselves around. Sure. Who's going to be dancing around and fornicating in the streets. It's going to be these crazy women. They're the cause of all our trouble. Right. Mentally uh, mm. challenged or, you know, or hysterical women who have lost their grip and probably presumably the men were all standing around the square with their arms crossed <laughs> You know, with a consternated look on their faces while the women went bananas. Tut-tutting like Jordan Peterson at the rampant emotionalism. And so all of the 19th century ideas of female hysteria were retroactively applied to dancing mania. Uh, And that became kind of written into the lore such that it was very hard to take then a further look at the original source material to see whether or not that was true. Is it mostly women? Is it, was it mostly this spontaneous dancing? And what the actual accounts at the time seem to indicate is that it was equally men and women, but the dancing was not exactly spontaneous. In fact, contemporary reports often suggested that some strangers came to town and had very unusual clothes and strange ways and started dancing ecstatically in the public square, mm. whereupon local people were attracted to the melee and it often then spread to um, townsfolk. And I, then, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. It's aliens. It's UFOs. It's extraterrestrials. This is further... Arriving ad- in town with their strange outfits and strange movements and... That's right. And whipping people up with this new uh, ecstatic knowledge. I learned all about this on Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. It taught me all about the the heads on Easter Island and the ecstatic dancing of UFOs. So is it possible that even this is some kind of self-serving myth where the town does not want to say that some of our finest citizens were out there dancing? It was uh, some weirdo outsiders from far away. Or do we think it could have been just foreign travelers with different customs? who everybody in the repressed West was into. Well, it's not, I don't think so much just foreign travelers with exotic customs because, you know, dancing, like starting a a giant dance circle in a public square of a strange town and taking off your clothes 
and flopping around like for days on end is not just a strange custom. Well, I right? mean, it's not I would just say, like, I would say, hey, I'm, we're from. Uh, I would say Americans doing study abroad probably do that like <laughs> routinely. Like we're the, from Athens. Whoa. Well, where could they have been from? Like, are they are they gypsies? Are they Russians? Are they? I mean, not gypsies, but Romani people specifically. Are they? Like, who are we? Do we have a suspect here? So what contemporary theorists are suggesting is that this is some kind of amalgam of Christian religious tradition mated with pre-Christian tradition. There are quite a few pagan aspects to this behavior that are kind of like fertility rites, um, ecstatic states, just as speaking in tongues and sure. and possession and uh, those things seem to be, I mean, they've been adopted by Christianity of certain sects of Christianity, but they seem to be very much more uh, primitive states. Plenty of, plenty of venerable Christian traditions are seem to be colored by paganism, right? I mean, sure. Chris, celebrating Christmas in December and having a tree, you know, this is all just stamped onto a pre-existing Yule festival. Well, all of them. Easter, I mean... Um, Easter was the name of a Roman pagan goddess, I think. The names of our months... You know, venerating statues of saints or whatever. This is probably all colored by previous kind of iconography that that, uh, assimilated Christianity. If you look at the Catholicism in uh, North America, particularly the Catholicism in in Mexico and Central America, Mm. it really integrated a lot of pre-existing Aztec and Mayan traditions and gods into the kind of like sangria style of uh, of Catholicism that's really blood-drenched. Really, if you look at Catholicism uh, going from north to south in Europe, it gets bloodier, bloodier and bloodier as you head south. And more spider bites, probably. A lot more spider bites, a lot more, you know, if you, if you look at how Jesus is presented in Scandinavia, he tends to be very white. He's and a very thin. He's a, he's a pale, frail man. <laughs> he sure is. He gets he gains a lot more wounds as he heads down into Italy. So we're supposed to think there are kind of uh, less religious pagan folks in the countryside who come into town and make a ruckus. It's, it's just city mouse, country mouse kind of stuff. Yeah, the suggestion is that they were heretical sects that were. Uh, you know, probably couldn't stay in one location without fear of persecution. And so moved around either gaining adherence or just having like regular orgies in places. It's just Lollapalooza, basically. You know, some music festival pulls through and uh, all the kids go nuts. And then, you know, the next day they're on their way to Utica. Right. It was, uh, I mean, the, the fact that they could mask it in a religious context, that it was either some form of demonic possession or some form of ecstasy ecstasy uh, like performed by a saint upon us collectively probably confused people enough that they were able to this is again just a theory but that they were able to stage fairly regular orgies across Europe for hundreds of years but without without ever like a being being positively identified as a because you, know, you don't want to be the, you don't want to be the orgy city right you know all the city fathers can be like yeah it was that weird dancing thing again when's <laughs> when's the next one <laughs> hey you get out of here and don't come back let's not have any more orgies for a while till next weekend <laughs> I still like the alien theory I don't see why we can't have both I can't uh, why is it not aliens coming to town and starting orgies well you know my mom always. Uh, I'm interested now. My mom always believed that the missing link, which was a popular idea for most of the 20th century. Like between primates and modern man? Right. The fact that there was, you know, there was until Lucy, the original sort of uh, proto uh, homo sapien. Hominid. Hominid. uh, Until the discovery of Lucy, there was this, I mean, it was one of the major critiques of Darwinism if we're descended from apes, then where are the... Where's the smooth continuum of, yeah. of half-man, half-apes, or mapes? Right. And, and uh, or, uh, you know, humansies. <laughs> humunkies? Uh, humunkies. Uh, humuncula. 
Yeah. yeah. What was your so, what, so what's your mom's take my, on evolution? So my mom's theory, because she was a very early adopter of the idea of UFOs, even before the... UFO hipster. Even before the, the, the sightings of flying saucers over Mount Rainier back in 1948 or 47, whenever that was, even in the 30s, she had read enough science fiction pulp magazines that she had accepted the not just the possibility, but kind of the inevitability of... Soon, farmers will start UFOs. seeing these odd disks. That's right. She predicted. Soon, a, a, a DeLorean will arrive in the local <laughs> barn and a kid in a, in a life preserver will... It's true. It, it is a, out with his mom. It is a plot device in that movie that the science fiction pulp nerds are going to be the ones who are excited about the visitors. Right, and that was, that was my mom. And her homegrown theory was that extraterrestrials had been intervening in Earth uh, multiple times over the course of Earth's existence over, the, you know, over millennia, uh, that they would come down when they saw us progressing, evolving in a way that, that wasn't consistent with their plan, that they were little Mendels and they would come and, and selectively breed or redirect the evolutionary course is this, so is this uh, a macro evolutionary scale or is this cultural as well? Like, is your mom pretty sure that Galileo was a, was an alien? Grade? No, no, no. It's not, it's not anything that would be visible in the record mm. so much as like, where's the missing link? Well, the missing link was that, that they came and zapped a, an ape one day. Yeah. Or took, zapped the hair off him. Took a, ape DNA and redirected it or, you know, or suggested certain pairings <laughs> and, and so all of the evidence, <laughs> they, they just, <laughs> they were matchmakers. They just stood around hybridizing the least hairy monkeys. And this took, this took millions of years. The yeah. aliens had plenty of time. They're like one of these uh, guys out back uh, making the boysenberry. They stood on the, they stood on the sidelines at a dance and they were like, why don't you ask her to dance? And then they made the hairier ones pair off as well. Like, Hey, Uggos, why don't you go over there? Well, no, what she, what her suggestion was, was that it happened in four or five radical events. So the death of the dinosaur, was an alien intervention where they said, you know what, this is a blind alley. Let's start over with with rugrats or, you know, like snow monkeys or whatever. Wipe the server. And uh, and they did it again, you know, so that uh, Homo sapiens arrived and Neanderthals arrived sort of on the scene, fully developed from where one can only guess. So she she might concur with your theory that this was some sort of visitation. The last time the aliens needed, we, that we needed the aliens help was in the middle ages when they noticed we weren't having enough orgies. Yeah. They were like this whole like multi layers of jute is not going to accomplish <laughs> our ultimate project, which is to get human beings up to speed with the international standards. Imagine some alien who's like, and we now need to begin operation jute removal. Next slide, please. <laughs> the first thing we're going to do is put ergot uh, tainted rye in everybody's beer. Um, so the cause of dancing mania and of similar mania uh, remains an, sort of an inconclusive. unsolved mystery. Right. To coin a phrase, and it is it's just ripe enough territory that it seems that every subsequent generation of people with a theory about group behavior and mental health uh, revisits dancing mania and posits a new explanation for it. Uh, and I, frankly, I can't wait for the next explanation of dancing mania because maybe that'll get you off the wall and out on the dance floor. And that concludes dancing mania entry three, one five dot LA certificate number two, one, one, six, one in the omnibus listeners. We do not recommend, uh, any kind of, Orgies, either extraterrestrial or otherwise, among our listeners. John and I do not condone such behavior. We are pro-jute. But if you would like to spend quality, chaste time with your fellow listeners, there are multiple avenues to do so. In our day, social media was one such. We hope you don't have to deal with its ill effects. But we were Omnibus Project on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, John was at John Roderick on Instagram. I was at Ken Jennings on Twitter. Also on Facebook, the Futurelings got together for their equivalent of 
dancing in the town square. But no funny business. No shenanigans, please. We are going to get up front like John Lithgow and deliver a fire and brimstone speech. If we so much as see flirting, if we see a wink in the Futurelings Facebook group. Lots of chaste dancing, lots of exchanging uh, sci-fi references. Trading cards. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of country dancing. Uh-huh. People you, people love to do the the Texas two step. Uh, is that a country dance? Yes. It seems like it might be the Texas two step. The famous Texas two step that they're always doing. The achy breaky. That's what they're doing. Oh, that came later. The fans the fans are always doing the achy breaky. Yeah, they're doing the Mickey Gilly. They're doing the they're doing the uh, the Ding Dong Come Along. <laughs> all those dances. Uh, I can't think of a hypothetical country. They're doing dance. the Willie and Whalen. They're doing the Blackberry Cobbler. Uh-huh. They're doing uh-huh. the Corn Pone. Uh-huh. They're doing all you can eat for a dollar, extra meat for a dollar. They're doing the That's Redheaded Stranger. And email. People would email us for some reason uh, at omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com to communicate their support for mm-hmm. the project mm-hmm. and its mm-hmm. general aims and outlining. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could send us physical merchandise and memorabilia at Omnibus Project P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Futurelings, from our vantage point in your distant past, although time is a flat circle, so we may be in your future. You keep positing this, and I, I don't think... We're, I'm not, not on board with You don't agree that time, that time is a flat circle? I feel like it's a catchphrase from an HBO show I didn't watch. <laughs> why should I Why should I make this my cosmological theory if I didn't even watch the series? Isn't John? it a yes lyric? Is it also a yes lyric? Well, that's the type of lyric that yes... Uh, I feel like prog rock is the last place we should be deriving a cosmology from. Yeah, maybe, maybe it came from... No, it didn't just come from... True Detective Season 1, it's like, it's like a real... You've lived your life according to its precepts, and now what? People are going to credit Matthew McConaughey with No, it? it's something from Nietzsche. Really? Yeah, it's it's like his, his doctrine of the eternal it, return. You can't use it to explain anything. Sure, I say it all the time. Hey, time is a flat circle. Yeah, time's a flat circle. It's just like how clearing do, your throat, it's How do you like that? And they're going to be like, is that from HBO? And I'm going to say, no, it's from Nietzsche. Probably. Don't look it up. Yeah. But yeah. I, <laughs> I bet it's from Nietzsche. I seem to remember it's from that. Maybe it's from The Spake Zarathustra. Just ask them, uh, you know, have you read Marcus Aurelius? And if they say no, you're like, it's from that. <laughs> like, wait for the no. Um, we hope and pray that the, uh, that the zombie war, which we now understand is really a proxy for racial conflict, uh, we hope that, that we hope that <laughs> why is this why is this podcast inching toward <laughs> Charles Manson every episode? You know what? We've never done one on Charles Manson. That, I'm adding that to my list. Uh, but if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, in the form of ergot tainted grain, we mm. hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus. Mm.